Hey guys, welcome to this week's roundup. It's the first one in my new apartment, so I figured, uh, you know, new week, uh, new chapter in my life, uh, new side of the screen that I'm on. I just figured I would change it all up. Um, the move went well. I'm mostly in. I just have a few little things to tweak. Like, I obviously don't have my lighting set up correctly. That's why I'm all dark and gloomy. I'm sure the beard and the black shirt doesn't really help that. But uh, And I still got to work on a background and everything. But I definitely just wanted to make sure to get the news out, especially because there's a whole bunch of crap to talk about this week, a bunch of exciting stuff, and a few fun things, too. So I guess let's just jump right into it. A lot more info has been released about the NES Classic. First of all, Jeremy Parrish did a full review of it, um, and while I would have liked a little more technical stuff on it, it's a great review, and uh, you know, you'll know you see mine on it as soon as it comes in. Um, also, Arcade TV, Alex, uh, has kind of checked out some of the chips on it and says it looks like it'll be pretty hard to hack because of the security implementation, so don't really count on adding new games to it. Um, also, Wes from Second Opinion Games did a breakdown of what he thinks each of the chips are, which I think is pretty cool, actually. Um, so that way, if anybody uh, wants to take a look at what it actually has inside, you can take a look at the picture. And in another interesting update, the company Nyko made a wireless controller for it already. So I think that's kind of neat. I mean, overall, uh, without actually playing it yet myself, just the speculation would be that it looks like something that's good enough for anybody that wants to play older games, um, and for the price, $60, I mean, I would always take an AVS or a high-def, um, yeah, high-def NES modded Nintendo over this, but if you just want to play some of the games that are already on there, I mean, it looks like it'll be a good solution, so I'll put it through its paces, I'll have screenshots of everything, I'll do a full crazy review like I usually do as soon as it comes out. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get it on launch day because I had to change my address um, ever since I moved, so I don't know if they have to forward it to me. It might actually end up being a few days after launch date, so hopefully I'll get it up there soon, but uh yeah, I mean, any other uh, info I get on it, I'll definitely post, but it looks like it's actually going to be out next Friday, so it might make it for the next roundup, I might be a little late, but cross your fingers, hopefully I'll be able to get it on time. There's been an update to the Genesis port of Cave Story. So, the developer said that he's got a bunch more bug fixes done and added a few more sections to it. Uh, and basically, it's just a lot of polish. And it looks great, um, I, and I can't wait for it to be finished, because I really love Cave Story. And I think playing it on an original Genesis console through a ROM cart, it's got to be just the coolest way to experience it. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll just keep progressing as quickly as he has, and we'll keep getting awesome new updates. And also, this is kind of old news. For whatever reason, I had it on my list of things to talk about and just kept forgetting. So, sorry about that. I'll try not to let that happen again. But, uh, yeah, Cave Story Genesis progress is coming along, and I'm pretty excited about it. Next, Ben Heck just came up with a controller that works on Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Genesis. So I thought it was just kind of a cool little thing, and Ben Heck's projects are always neat to look at, even if you just fire up the video and skim through it. So it's up on Element 14 through Engadget, and I'll put up a link in the description if anybody wants to check it out. This one's not really news, but it's kind of fun, and I really wanted to just show it at least. Um, the user on the Shmups forum named Elrinth just put up a video of a, like a gaming uh, TV stand thing that he built that's pretty much just one gigantic Nintendo front loader. So I thought it was really neat. Um, it's not like a kit that he's selling or anything. He just built it for himself. But I just figured uh, all of us retro nerds would probably get a kick out of it. So 
check it out and uh, see if you like it. Next, Firebrand X is about to release an updated version of his NES color palette. So version 6 that he had released was pretty much perfect in my opinion. I mean, there were maybe a few things people were asking about, but I thought it was absolutely awesome and really liked it. I thought it was very true to the original. But he has further found a few things to tweak, and one of them which was kind of interesting is um, changing the blues to make it the correct color for Super Mario Brothers. And I guess there was a debate as to how blue or purple it should be when somebody found an interview with Miyamoto himself, and it said, um, in regards to the Super Mario Brothers blue sky, at the time you could only have about three colors for the blue sky on the family computer. It took me a while to decide which one I would use, and eventually I picked the purplish one. I felt that purple had the depth of nature. I was really into that. So, it's I guess that settles the debate. The sky in Mario Brothers should be just a slight purple hue to it. Um, but pretty much minor changes from version 6 to version 7. So I think it's that and the red bricks and one of the Castlevania games. I could be wrong about that one, but... Um, it's my opinion that if you already have version six on your high def, or I mean on your NES RGB board, if you don't own a programmer, if you have to send it out to get programmed, I probably wouldn't do it just because it costs a lot and you know it's a bit kind of a pain. But if you own your own programmer, um, definitely do it. I mean, you might as well. And also, I'll reach out to the high def NES creator and the AVS creator and see if they'll be willing to implement it into their designs as well. Because I think that would be pretty cool to just kind of keep it the same on all devices. But it's really up to them. It takes time to add these things. But I'll keep everybody updated. Last week, Eurogamer reported that Nintendo was going to stop production on all Wii U consoles. And then pretty much right afterwards, Nintendo came back and said, no, we're not. So I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Um, after talking about the sales numbers last week and seeing how gloomy it was for the Wii U, I guess I wouldn't blame them. And since they're concentrating on the Switch, um, I don't really know. What do you guys think about that? Should they just give up altogether on the Wii U and spend all their time and effort on the new console? Um, I'm a Wii U owner. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about them stopping the consoles. I guess I really wouldn't care, as long as, you know, they still put out games on it, I guess at least a little bit. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Next, the director of the Deadpool movie has just been signed on as executive producer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So, I loved Deadpool. I mean, that was my favorite Marvel movie, probably because I have such a twisted sense of humor. But Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. And it's supposed to be a combination live-action animation. I don't know, man. That kind of makes me nervous. Because, like, remember the Super Mario Brothers movie? That was terrible. Even as a kid, like a wide-eyed kid that loved video games and Ninja Turtles, I distinctly remember, you know, the Mario Brothers movie and Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, being terrible. So, you know, but on the other hand, the Saturday morning cartoons were kids' cartoons, and they were cheesy, but they were supposed to be cheesy kids' cartoons. You know, the Mario, the Zelda, the Sonic... They were fine for that. So if the Sonic movie turns out to be a kid's movie, it'll probably work. And I'll probably still see it. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll bring my niece to see it. Or maybe I'll just go see it myself. I don't know. But if they try to make it a serious movie, well, not serious, but like a movie movie like the Super Mario Brothers movie was, eh, I don't know, man. Good luck to all of them. But hopefully it won't be too terrible. Next, the creator of the Game Boy Advance TV Out mod is also talking about doing a Super Nintendo analog-to-digital mod. 
So he's not sure if it's going to be internal or external, or maybe a combination of both. You uh, attach one wire to the multi-out and then have an external box. But I think it's a great idea, and a lot of people kind of scoff at that and say, well, why wouldn't you just use a FrameMeister or the OSSC? But there's a lot of really specific things that could be tweaked for each individual console. Um, anybody that's ever used Firebrand X's profiles on the FrameMeister knows that's absolutely true for sure. So having something designed specifically for the SNES might really be able to open up another, a whole other world of things you could do. So maybe you could have a more compatible line triple mode, um, depending on the chip that's used. You know, maybe we could finally start getting into 4K because whether we like it or not, 4K TVs are much more common than 1080p these days. So might as well jump on board. But um, the thread is on Shmups for anybody that wants to follow it. I'll of course be updating with any info as soon as any news is released on it. But I'm excited. This NES is my favorite console, and I'd love a way to play it reliably and the highest quality possible on a flat screen, as well as on my um, RGB monitors. Because especially now that I'm in a, a tiny little place, the only monitor I have here with me is my little 8-inch, which I use for testing. Can't really game on an 8-inch monitor. So for me personally, uh, I, now I'm looking for the best ways to play it on my flat screens. So hopefully this is one of them, and I'll keep everybody updated. Blizz just posted something pretty interesting up on the Shmups forum. He has one of those bandage scart switches, which um, people have really mixed reviews on them. Uh, some people say they're terrible, some people love them, some people find that they uh, don't have any signal, signal degradation, and Blizz found on his there is a substantial difference in quality between direct in or using his. So uh, there's got to be a bunch of different PCB revisions or something. I know Voltar, who was on last week, he actually found a fix for one of them when there was uh, interference on one of the ports. But Bliss found it on all the ports, I believe. So, um, you know, this is just another one of the reasons I love the G-SCART switch, because it was designed specifically for gaming and specifically to get rid of problems like this. So I know it's, uh, you know, they're hard to get a hold of, which, you know, hopefully we could figure out a way to, to make that easier for everybody. But just another reason to, if you do buy one of the Bandridge switches, I would kind of look at it as, you know, a temporary thing. You know, buy one now, use it till you can get a G-SCART, and now you have a spare switch that you could leave somewhere. But uh, I would definitely not count on it as my main uh, switch for gaming, just because you never know how many issues, or if you're going to get a bad one or a good one, but uh, I'm glad he posted that, and uh, anybody that wants to see the screenshots, they're on the forums, and I put the, the picture up here. The N64 Bluetooth controller is now available for purchase. So that's the controller that was a partnership between Retrobit and 8-Bit Do, and I'm assuming Retrobit took one of their N64 third-party controllers, and 8-Bit Do just stuck in their same exact Bluetooth protocols that they did for their others, and now this is what we get. So I'll eventually get one in for testing, but provided that's what happened, I'm assuming it's going to work exactly like the other 8-Bit Do controllers, and hopefully they'll continue to make progress on compatibility, because mine still won't work with my Apple TV, and there's still issues here and there for it, but hopefully it'll be pretty decent, and anybody that wants to use an N64-style controller with other Bluetooth devices now has an option. Mike Moffitt just posted pictures of his N64 video solution on Shmups, and he talked a little bit about this on the interview here a few months ago, but basically it's a video out solution that does RGB, VGA, and component, 
and it also has a deblur function built in. And at the moment, it does uh, up to 480p, but I think he said he could tweak it for a little bit more. So this is really cool. Now we have a set of advanced and basic RGB solutions for the N64. The basic boards are ones like we talked about with Voltar last week, which just takes the original few revision N64s and amplifies RGB off the chip, and really doesn't do much more than that. You know, his had the sync stripper, others just have the amp in it. Still an, a really great solution that I, I personally still use. But now for people that want to spend a little bit more money and do something a little more complicated, now you have an advanced solution that offers things like deblur and for his multiple output solutions. So between his and Tim's and then uh, Voltar's N64 board and all the other ones that are actually still out there from previously, a lot of great choices for N64 users now, um, and it's pretty cool. So no word on price or availability on Mike's solution, but I'll keep everybody updated as soon as there's more news on it, and hopefully get one into test. Sony just released a list of games that are 4K and HDR compatible that'll be available on launch date for the PS4 Pro. And I'm not really sure how that applies to any of the retro gaming stuff, but I figured I would post it here just for anybody that wanted it. It's also a link in the description. There's a new RGB kit being developed for Atari 8-bit computers that'll also work with the Atari 5200. The target price is going to be about $60, and the developer wants to know how many people are interested. So I definitely suggest posting in the thread to see. I'm definitely going to be checking it out as well. And uh, just anytime there's more progress for old consoles, I'm always pretty excited. I can't actually think of an Atari 5200 game that I'd really love to play, but I just... I'm sure I'll find one to play after I RGB mod it. So um, anybody that's interested, definitely post in the forum and let them know that you'll be buying. That way there'll be maybe a little more incentive to put it out because these projects do take a lot of time and effort. So it would be kind of disappointing if this guy, you know, put all this work into it and he only sold 20 of them. So anybody that's interested, definitely post there and I'll keep everybody else updated as soon as there's any more progress at all. The Nintendo AVS just had another beta firmware update with a few more bug fixes, and I, I think they may have changed uh, the color palette as well. So I'll leave a link in the description. Um, and, you know, it's beta, so as with anything that's not official firmware, you know, if you have any issues, just go back to an official version. But um, I'll definitely be trying it out, and hopefully he'll add the new FBX version 7 color palette to that as well. So it looks like people were pretty interested in that SCART pass-through adapter. So I'm going to do a group buy. I just need to know exactly how many people are interested. And a lot of people posted in the YouTube comments. And I'm really sorry. Would you mind just posting again? But this time, just email me. And I just need your name, your email address, and how many of them you'd like, and what country you're in. So name, email, quantity, country. Um, and I'll start a spreadsheet. And then based on how many people buy them or want them, um, I'll just buy them myself because they're pretty cheap, so I don't, I wouldn't need money in advance. And then once they all come in, I'll contact everybody on that spreadsheet and then just give you the final price. It should be around ten dollars each. Um, and obviously, if you, you know, if you buy more than one, it's combined shipping, all that stuff. But I don't have an exact price, but you know, around ten dollars should be what you should count on. And once again, this is a component to SCART pass-through, not a converter. So this is just for people like uh, if you have a bunch of devices going into a GSCART switch into your Sony PVM monitor, 
and you also want to add your Wii, you just put the component video into the SCART adapter into the G-SCART, and when you turn your Wii on, then you just have to change the uh, setting on your PVM to component, not RGB. So I guess, you know, I mean this in a polite way, but if you really don't know what I'm talking about, don't buy one. Um, if you own a PVM and you already know, uh, or if you own any device really that it could accept RGB and component through the same input, then this is for you if you have a SCART switch that you want to use it with. So uh, once again, sorry to make everybody email or contact me a second time, but um, I just don't want to rely on posts in the YouTube comments. I figure just go to retrorgb.com forward slash contact and then just, you know, last time, name, quantity, email address, country. And then I'll get everything together and kind of just uh, hopefully we'll have them from Australia to the U.S. in a few weeks. And then it would be a day or two before I could turn them back around to everybody else. So just let me know what uh, you know how many you would like, and hopefully we can get this done pretty quickly. I guess I'll put them in, um, I guess to give everybody time, I think, uh, by the end of the week. So maybe a week from today or something, I'll close the pre-orders and just kind of put the order through. So uh, yeah, I'm really glad people are into this too, because it'll make everybody's life easier if we just do one big group buy from it. So thanks. Now on to Q&As. First from Co-op Shop, he asked if there's any new info on consoleized game gears. So the short answer is no, there's no new info at all. Um, for anybody that's not familiar, there's a few things that are already out, which are Tim's RGB mod for the Game Gear, and then Mick Will's VGA and RGB mod for the Game Gear, and he also has his screen mod for that as well. And the upcoming ones that were shown um, in theory, but I think, uh, no, I don't think I actually saw any of them working, were the Behar Brothers had a consoleized version of a Game Gear with an RGB output. And then um, Ozone had his HDMI out mod that he'd talked about. But those, both of those were just announced. Those weren't finalized projects. Um, and I guess Co-op Shop also mentioned that Otaku Store is no longer selling theirs, uh, their Game Gear RGB mod. And that he would love if uh, there was a, a consoleized Game Gear that looked like a smaller uh, Sega Master System. Yeah, I agree. That would be awesome, too. I wish I had the money to do a plastic mold for that. But uh, no chance, in my opinion, for that one. Um, the only thing he did mention as well is their, uh, their controller port mod for the Game Gear. So Otaku Store had that shown. Um, I don't think I have any guide for it on my website, but that's something that I was messing with for a while, and I'd actually talked to Voltar months ago about this one. But basically, you could put a controller port on your Game Gear to use a Sega Master System controller, but then you'd have to also wire a start button on it. The opposite way to do it is to use a Genesis controller, but you hack the inside of the Genesis controller to make it fully compatible. So you essentially end up ruining the Genesis controller, but make it perfect for the consoleized Game Gear, which to me seems like a perfect use for a third-party Genesis controller. Um, I don't have a guide for that yet, but uh, I will get to it very soon. I just I have such a long list of stuff to catch up with, but that is something that I personally want as well, and that uh, Voltar had given me the little circuit um, design on how to do that months ago. So hopefully I'll get on it and I'll post as soon as I do. Next, Abner Mustaine posted a bunch of other info about that tech toy Genesis. First, I gotta ask, are you related to Dave Mustaine? Because he's kind of the reason I play guitar. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to um, let everybody know what he had to say. 
Basically, it was revealed as a new Genesis, and they claim that it's uh, a circuit that integrates similar components to the original product. It's not an emulator, and it's not an FPGA, but it also won't support 32X or Sega CD. I'm assuming it probably won't support the power-based converters at all. And then it also won't support games with special chips or special chip, uh, system requirements. And then sound is also not supposed to be 100% faithful to the original. So I don't really understand what the hell the point of this is. Um, he, uh, he also made it, uh, let me know that those weren't official pictures. Those were just renderings of it. So I just don't get it. I, I really don't understand what the point of the tech toy product is at all. So um, if I'm missing something, please let me know. But this just seems like a complete piece of junk. Um, but thanks to Abner Mustaine for letting me know all the extra little details. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. And I certainly won't be picking one up to, to try out unless somebody sends me one for free. But even then, I can't imagine I'll like it. So thanks for the extra info. And I think this is probably something we should all stay away from. Next, Mark Pedaz. Sorry, man, I'm pretty sure I just killed the pronunciation of your name. But um, he asked about the Extron RXIs. So basically, he said when we were doing the interview with Voltar and talking about proper analog video signals and their voltages, it got him thinking about the gain controls on the Extron RXI boxes. And he wondered that if you turn that up too high, will it get that signal too hot or too out of spec? Um, and I looked into it a little bit, and I even asked Voltar's opinion on it, and I don't think so. I think it's basically just a pot that, uh, that really sets it within the limits that won't damage anything. And those boxes were thousands of dollars new, um, you know, very expensive stuff. So I really doubt that Extron would release a product that if you cranked it up, you could hurt your display. Um, but a good question, actually a great question, and I'm glad I checked. But uh, you also want to be careful with that, too, because the gain control was really designed for people who want to mount the Extron RXI under their desk. Imagine, like, you know, at a college, a professor's doing a huge lecture, and you have the RXI mounted under your desk and your computer or laptop plugged into it. And then you have a wire going all the way around the entire place and then into your projector in the back. That's why you would really want the gain control, because it would lose signal over very long distances. So make sure to always keep that on the lower side, especially if you just have shorter cables. Um, and that's the feature I use the least about the RXI boxes. I use it for the signal conversion, so RGBS to RGBHV or vice versa, um, and for the horizontal and vertical tweaking of it, which um, I don't use that very often, but sometimes it's really nice just to be able to bump something over one pixel. So I uh, hope that answered your question, and you know, great question. I'm glad you asked that, because I kind of never thought about that, especially even on my RXI page. But um, yeah, so I wouldn't worry about turning it up too high, but don't bother unless uh, your display is literally on the opposite side of the room. And finally, Hijuice? H1GHJU1... Hijuice? Each one juice. <laughs> I got nothing, man. Uh, I have no idea how to even pronounce that one. But he posted a, a really cool wiki that's posted on Reddit about RGB monitors. So it's kind of like a basic list of model numbers of different RGB monitors, what their size is, what signals they support, and how many lines they have. So I just actually um, 
put that in my RGB monitors page as well, because that's some great info. And I know my RGB monitors page is way out of date. I have to just completely redo that whole thing, but another thing to add to the list. But thanks for posting that. Um, Very cool and a great reference to have. Well, that's it for this week. By next episode, hopefully I'll have everything back on track. I'll have my lighting all fixed so I'm not all weird and dark in the corner. And if anybody has any ideas for the background, please let me know, because I always take you guys' suggestions, and I always appreciate it. But I was thinking, you know, even the basics, just having, like, a big piece of cardboard behind me that I could stick behind my couch when I'm not using it, maybe have, like, my logo here or something. (laughs) I mean, I figure, like, anything is better than just a closet in the back. Um, I would love to have a blue screen, but it's a really tiny apartment, so that's, you know, I'm not sure if I'd be able to have the lighting set up every time. And something a little more versatile would be nice, you know, so I could just jump in and add a segment at the last minute, uh, which is something even in my last apartment I had issues with, because I had to wheel those racks around every time I wanted to record something. Um, I was thinking maybe something like a pull-down movie screen, but that was a, a, a green screen, I'm not sure how I would be able to do the lighting, um, and especially because being a couple feet behind me, it would mean it would have to be like a 10-foot-long screen. So, I don't know. I'm out of ideas. Um, anything you guys got, let me know. Maybe even if I spin it around and just do like a flat white background or something. But, I don't know. Any ideas you guys have, I would really appreciate it. Um, and I'll be back on track next week with uh, hopefully an interview and a whole bunch more news. So thanks again. Uh, I'll see you next week, and any comments and criticisms always appreciated. So take care. 